was that that uh, he wasn't willing to go. He was obedient to go, but in his heart, he wanted to stay home. In fact, there was a time when he canceled all of his services. I'm going back to being a pastor and nearly died. He got outside the will of God and nearly died. The Lord didn't kill him or the Lord didn't try to kill him. Uh, he got out over on the devil's territory. Uh, but he straightened up eventually, and the Lord said, you know, you need to be willing to do what I've asked you to do. That's where uh, obedience uh, and willingness is where you'll prosper. Uh, and uh, But one of the things he said is that uh, the Lord desires for uh, the churches to be the, the nicest buildings in town. It doesn't mean we have to have gold inlaid everything, you know, uh, but they need to be, they need to be, uh, they need to look nice, amen? And, um, and I, so I've got no problem with that, and I've got no problem with spending money to make our church look nice, and so, um, so it's just uh, 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 we don't want to have our hearts hardened, especially uh, you know uh, when people forsake an entire doctrine like healing or prosperity. That's a huge part. You know, uh, uh, there's like more than two thousand verses in the Bible related to money, uh, and that means one out of every every fifteen verses or so deal with money in the Bible. And for us to reject that, that's a huge percentage of the Bible, right? Uh, and so uh, so we, we don't want to harden our hearts, amen? We don't want to harden our hearts when the Lord speaks. And so uh, uh, let's make sure that anytime the, Lord's, the Lord speaks and the Word goes forth or, or her spirit, His Spirit speaks or, or um, the pastor speaks, you know, then uh, let's make sure that, that we have a, have a soft heart to receive the Word of God, Amen. Uh, so let's stand and greet us for just a minute. We'll get into praise and worship. Thank for the name of Jesus, for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father. You're so good to your children. So kind thank towards you. us, Father. So merciful with us, Father. We thank you that you never leave us, Father. You never forsake us. You never walk away from us, Father. Father, you're so good. You're so faithful. So kind, Father, generous to us. Thank you, Father. We thank you for the name of Jesus. Father, the name of Jesus stands against all darkness, depression, Father, all mental illness. Father, uh, every attack of the enemy, every physical pain. The name of Jesus, Father, stands against all evil. Father, there's no, there's no deception. There's no attack, Father, that can withstand the name of Jesus. Father, your name brings light. It brings revelation. It brings insight and wisdom. Father, we have the ability to see clearly, to know clearly, Father, because of the name of Jesus. Father, such a great price was paid to obtain a name that's above every name. Father, there's no name in the universe that's equal to your name. And there is surely, Father, no name that's above your name. We thank you, Father. We are carriers of the authority of the name of Jesus. You gave your name, Father, to us, your church. And Father, whatever devils are in the earth, whatever enemies stand in your way, the name of Jesus, Father, will make light work of them. We thank you, Father. We have complete and total victory in our lives. We cannot be defeated, Father, and we surely cannot be overcome. Thank you, Father. We are victorious in this earth. And Father, we will use the name of Jesus to not only protect ourselves, Father, but to advance your kingdom. To destroy the works of the enemy, Father. Not only in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. Father, you sent your church into this world. A world that hates it, Father. A world that despises the church. But you covered us, Father. With the name of Jesus and the full armor of God. And so, Father, we go forth into this world. Knowing, Father, that they hate us. Knowing, Father, they desire us to be quiet and to not say and speak, Father, the name of Jesus. Knowing, Father, that they want to be left alone to live in their flesh and live in their own dark desires. 
not knowing, Father, that there's great joy and peace to be had in your name. That there's great victory to be had in your name. So, Father, we thank you for the name of Jesus. Father, we give you all praise and honor for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, there was a time when... Um, uh, and I guess I haven't given you an update recently, but uh, my friend Tony Maribel, you know, uh, back last year, he had got uh, contracted uh, um, COVID and they uh, and uh, he got COVID pneumonia and they ended up putting him in, into an induced coma. Uh, and um, he was in a coma for like 35 days. Uh, and uh, and everybody else, every other person in that wing of the hospital that had COVID, every one of them without exception died except for Tony. Uh, and uh, if not for the prayers of, of the saints and Tony's own faith, you know, I think a lot of it really had to do as much with Tony's faith as it had to do with the prayers of saints because Tony was a great man of faith. Um, he made it through there and they cheered him as he walked out, which of course is terrible for Tony because he just loves all that. You know, Tony, <laughs> everybody knows Tony, right? If you, know, if you don't know Tony, you'll know Tony eventually because everybody knows Tony. Uh, and uh, it's just like Tony to go out with the crowd cheering. You know, oh, yeah. the nurses and the doctors were all uh, so excited that he survived it. And um, but he had had to go through uh, weeks and weeks of physical therapy because uh, they said when your brain goes into a coma like that, it forgets how to do things. You know, it forgets how to walk, it forgets how to eat, forgets how to function in some ways. Um, and so he had to go through physical therapy and he just finished up that not long ago. And his voice is still real raspy because they intubate him. You know, they put that tube down your throat uh, and, uh, and it's really hard on your esophagus and your vocal cords. Um, and so, um, but he's doing well. And, and uh, I was just thinking about him during that song because he, he retired from Tennessee Tech uh, in the administrative offices. And uh, one time, uh, and Tony was always great to share his faith with, with anybody and everybody. Uh, and so they, they called him one time and said, hey, we'd like you to say the prayer at some meeting, right? Some particular meeting. And, and you know, no problem, you know. Uh, I, I was the official, uh, when my girls were playing soccer, I was the official photographer and the official uh, food blesser for all the services, right? Uh, and so I, I would say all the blessings and, and, um, and they didn't care, you know, how I said it. And so I would bless it in the name of Jesus. Well, they asked him to pray for this you know, whatever meeting it was. Uh, and then they sent him a letter. Well, thank you for accepting our invitation to pray. Uh, uh, here's some things you can't do. You can't uh, use the name of Jesus, uh, among other things. <laughs> you ask a Christian to pray, but you can't use the name of Jesus. I mean, uh, the name of Bob or Fred, okay, you know. Uh, and so then he responded in uh, like, matter, uh, like manner and uh, respectfully declined the invitation because if you can't if you can't pray in the name of jesus you know what's the point amen there's no point at all it's just a waste of air amen uh and so praise god we thank uh we thank the lord for the name of jesus and i don't know even at the church has fully plumbed the depths of the revelation of what we obtain with the name of jesus i think there's more there uh and um you know we have taught on the name of jesus in times past but it might be time to go back and uh, in, in six or seven years when we get through the Beatitudes and maybe even the Sermon on the Mount. But uh, uh, whenever, uh, we'll see what the Lord wants us to do. Amen. Uh, because there's a great revelation to, to learn about the name of Jesus and how to, to wield it correctly. Because a lot of times people will use the name of Jesus, you know, uh, in the name of Jesus, I commend that red light to turn green, you know, and just foolish things, right? Uh, and, um, you know, the, the Lord said, don't take his name in vain. He didn't say, take his, don't take his name in cursing. He said, don't take his name in vain, which, you know, you could take his name in vain and, and using it in a, in a vain way, in an, in an uncorrect way uh, to advance your own personal selfish cause. Uh, and that would still be using, uh, you know, taking the name of the Lord in vain. Amen. So uh, I heard the Lord's name taken in vain many times growing up, right? I mean, it was, uh, you thought that that was our name, right? Uh, but... Um, Anyway, so we thank the Lord for his name. Amen. And so uh, let's turn over to, to Matthew chapter five. We'll get started today. So uh, Brother Randy's uh, message was uh, the uh, abridged version of the Beatitudes. And um, 
And so I guess we'll have to call this one the amplified version of the Beatitudes, right? Uh, and so uh, I just thought it was funny, you know, that he started all that, you know. And, and of course, he said the Lord, I hadn't told him we were studying the Beatitudes and, and I had never taught it. He'd said he'd never taught it either. So we're in the same boat right there. Amen. Uh, and so um, we did some introduction about it a few weeks ago. And then we started talking about uh, the very first Beatitude there. And um, we talked about what, uh, in fact, I want to go back here and just mention about, um, um, about being blessed. Uh, one, of the, one of the insights about being blessed, and being blessed is such a big word, right? Yeah. It's really all-encompassing. There's, there's not really any areas of your life that it, that it does not cover. But one of the, the definitions of it is freedom of the rich from normal cares and worries of life. Uh, and so it doesn't, just doesn't mean financially rich, uh, but, you know, if you're rich in peace, uh, do you worry a lot? If you're rich, if you're rich in, in health, uh, are you sick a lot? Uh, if you're rich in, uh, uh, in understanding, are you confused a lot? No. Uh, so, you know, being blessed is all-encompassing, right? And, and that's why the Lord used this word over and over again, because he says that in the Lord, basically you have everything. Amen. And people that are always con- trying to constrain God. I never have understood why people are always kind of constrain God in their life. Well, you, you know, that's not for us today. Or God doesn't want us to have this. And God doesn't want to. Uh, if you were God and all powerful, what would you want to withhold from your children? If you could speak the universe into existence with a single word, what would you want to withhold from the very creation that you made? Uh, I mean, surely you would have to come to the conclusion, nothing, right? I mean, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be healthy. Really? You don't want your children to be healthy? How many mothers have made the deal or tried to make the deal? God put their sickness on me. You know, instead of my child, let me be sick. You know, that's a, that's a dumb uh, exchange because just pray for your child to be well. You know, you're, you're not a substitutionary sacrifice. That was done at the cross, right? Uh, as a, people love to, you know, we get so emotional sometimes. And instead of staying in faith, we try to use our emotions to, to beg God to convince him from our emotional standpoint. He already said he'd take care of it. Yeah. So it's, it's easier for faith, but it makes us a little more nervous. We, we're hoping that we can, we can convince God with our tears and our anguish, you know, uh, that uh, to do something when he said, I already said I would do it. Why are you begging me, you know? Uh, in fact, my kids growing up, they'd come and start begging for things. And I just put my hand up and say, stop. That we don't beg. If you want something, you can ask for it. But we don't beg. Because begging is tried to, trying to get something with, without being in faith, right? Trying to use your emotions to purchase the blessings of the Lord. Uh, and it's much better to just ask in, in faith, amen? Well, Lord, you said you'd do it, so I'm going to ask. Uh, and, uh, and you can ask my kids, how many times when they asked appropriately uh, were they ever told no? Uh, and, and we trained them over the years, you know, if you ask correctly, uh, then uh, there's really nothing that you can't get from, from mom and dad. Uh, and I know... I've told you many times that I've heard some ministers get up and say, you know, well, when you take your kids to, to Walmart, first thing you've got to tell them, make sure is don't ask for anything. And I always thought that was odd, you know, because what's Jesus literally tell us to do so many times? Ask. So now you're training your child, don't ask. And they become an adult. Now it's okay to ask. Well, why was it not okay to ask then? It's, you, it's, you know, because don't kids want things that are okay for them to have? You know, and, and, and so um, I never have understood that mentality, right? Don't, don't ask for anything. But no, no, ask for things. Well, which way is it? Is it, are you, is it okay to ask now, you know? Uh, and so, you know, we've got to raise our kids in the same way that the Word of God tells us to be raised. You know, a lot of times, though, our concern is, well, we don't want them to just be selfish. And so we tell them to don't ask. Well, then, uh, then you're instilling them that, that anytime they ask, it might be a selfish motivation. So don't, don't even bother. You think they're going to be able to change easily when they become an adult to just switch gears all of a sudden that all my life I've been told that when I, when I'm asking, I'm being selfish and people will tell you that people in a church will tell you, if you ask for too much, you're being selfish. Well, how much is too much? Is a dollar too much? No dollars. Okay. Well, about $2. That's okay. What about $6 and 37 cents? I mean, where's the number, right? Where does the number end? The number ends where uh, the Lord places in your heart what you should ask for. That's why he said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask what you will. So if you abide in him and his words abide in you, then you won't ever be selfish in your asking. Even if you ask for a big thing, you know, because you didn't say, 
if, my words, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, and you ask for only small things, it'll be done unto you. He said, ask whatever you will. And so in the Lord, you can ask for anything, any ginormous thing, if it's necessary in your life and, and desirous. And, it, and you know it's not out of selfish motivation. You know it's not out of pride. Well, I want to have the biggest house so I can brag about it. You know, whatever. Uh, you won't do those things if you're in the Lord, if his words abide in you. But you could still ask for a big thing. I mean, if you need a million dollars, what's wrong with asking for a million dollars? Well, that's too much. Well, why is, is $999,999.99? Is that, is that too much? I mean, where's, where's the number? There's no yeah. number. Yeah. Anytime you, if soon as, you make a, as soon as you make a law, you're wrong because you, you've overridden the Word of God and you've constrained the Word of God. Uh, and we're not going to constrain the Word of God. He already constrains us by His, by his Spirit. Amen? Yeah. Uh, and so people love to... They love to say, well, we're not really blessed. I mean, blessed is a big word, you know, and you just go read and it's just, it's just so much there, right? Uh, talking about being blessed. Uh, it's trust of God, forgiveness, fullness of life. We're talking about material goods, children, marriages. Uh, I mean, it's everything. It's, it's all, of, of the, all of God is being blessed. Yes. Uh, and if you have all of God, what do you lack? Nothing. Nothing. So it should be okay to be blessed, right? Uh, and, and we need to get our minds renewed uh, that it's okay to be blessed. Uh, and uh, we should never be ashamed of the blessings of the Lord. Amen. Because the world loves to tell you, you know, that, uh, uh, that you should be ashamed of being blessed. And uh, there was a couple of ladies one time that was at one of Brother Hagin's meetings. And, well, we can need to talk to Brother Hagin. Well, 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 what about, you know, you know how many people want to talk to Brother Hagin? I mean, thousands of people, right? He, he, he literally couldn't talk to everybody that wants to talk to him. So, you know, I mean, you can come talk to me. I don't have thousands of people waiting to talk to me. You know, we, you and I could talk. Uh, but, um, you know, and so he wasn't, he wasn't thinking he was better than other people. It just, you know, people are just, they can be crazy sometimes, right? And, well, you know, what's the, what, do you, what do you need? Maybe we can help you. Well, we just need to pray for him because he's got the devil of wearing nice clothes. Well, that, that's just stupidity right there, right? I mean, it's just, you know, the, the Lord just face palms every time he hears people say it's like, you know, just, I mean, you know, I just... What, what in the world? The devil of wearing nice clothes. And, and Brother Hagin said, I, if that's true, I kind of like that devil, you know? I mean, he like, you know, he was never super flashy, but, but you know, he wore nice suits and stuff. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of foolishness out there like that. Well, you know, you ought not wear nice clothes. Well, how nice is too nice? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, is a polo shirt okay as long as you don't have the little polo emblem on it? You know, I mean, if you put the polo emblem, you're wrong. But without the polo, is that Okay. You know, if you wear a, a button-down shirt, is that okay as long as you don't have a pocket? Now, if it's got a pocket, is that too flashy or not flashy enough? I mean, you know, which way is it? I mean, yeah. you know, so, I mean, where's the limit? You know what I'm saying? It's just it's so foolish. People, we're, so, we're so foolish uh, about these things uh, because uh, really the motivation is almost always envy uh, and jealousy. Yeah. Uh, people, if you have it, then I don't have it. And so, uh, therefore, you're wrong. Uh, and so, I'm going to drive whatever I want to drive. I've got, a, I've got a really nice car, and I've got a, an older pickup truck. I like my pickup truck. And, you know, I tell my wife, I really like my pickup truck, you know. Uh, it's got all the features I want it, you know. It's got all kinds of little things on it. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to drive whatever I want to drive. If that makes people upset, hey, I'm not trying to make anybody upset. I want to drive just what I want. Don't you want to drive what you want to drive? You know, and, and, and if you want to drive an old beater, I mean, I've got no problem with drive whatever you want to, right? Uh, uh, and, but, um, uh, but don't be... Uh, envious or jealous or jaundiced when somebody else is blessed. Amen. Amen. Uh, because you should always, uh, you know, I, uh, I do things sometimes in some real estate and I see people uh, sell a piece of property and they ask, you know, what in my opinion is just an, ex an absorbent amount of money for that piece of property. And I went, you know, I'm not paying for that. But you know what I always say? I hope they get every penny. Yeah. I mean, if they ask for a million dollars for a square yard of, of dirt, I hope they get every penny. I'm not paying for it. But I hope I hope they get it. You know, I mean, I wouldn't pay for that for that. But I hope they get it. And I'm sincere about that. You know, I do. I hope they I hope they find somebody that really wants to pay that much money for that piece of property. And then they'll be blessed. And hopefully they'll tithe on that, too. Right. Uh, and so. Um, so being blessed is a big is a big word. Amen. It's all encompassing. It covers every aspect, spirit, soul, the body of your life. You have a right and a privilege because Jesus said blessed. Uh, but is it blessed just because you do nothing? No, he, and that's the, the whole point of, of the Beatitudes is, well, what do I do to become qualified to be blessed? Uh, and he starts out the very first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, so, uh, so he didn't just say blessed, right? He said blessed are what? 
the poor in spirit, right? And so that's where we are today is blessed on the poor in spirit. So uh, in all of these things, and if you read the scriptures, when I read the scriptures, I'm always looking at, okay, what's my, what's my job? Uh, there's a promise here, which is for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's great. Well, sometimes oh, we need to get the kingdom of heaven. That's great. We're not there yet. We've got to get through what, what the qualifications are to get that. Amen. So the qualification is there's two, actually two promises, right? The first promise is you're blessed. The second promise is you get the, the kingdom of heaven. But what's in the middle? Your responsibility, right? Poor in spirit. So if you're not poor in spirit, then you're not qualified for this, for this verse, right? You're not qualified to be blessed and you're not qualified to receive the kingdom of heaven. So uh, uh, we talked, let's turn over to uh, Mark chapter 10 there. We, we had started that, the discussion there about Mark chapter 10 and uh, we're trying to lay to rest the incorrect doctrine that says Jesus said, blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's Luke's version of that beatitude, but Matthew's version said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So then we need to look at the whole counsel of God. You don't pick and choose verses to say what you wanted to say. You look at the whole counsel of God. So uh, there's, no, there's no problem with what Luke said. Matthew gives us more insight of what he was talking about, which is, well, in what way are you poor? He's a poor in spirit, right? Because there is a general uh, belief in the church that you have to be dirt poor from your bank account, only your bank account, right? Not poor in health, not poor in education, not poor in in, uh, you know, playing games, that you're really bad at playing games, right? Uh, it's only poor in, in finances. Well, why'd you pick the finances? I mean, if Luke is correct and limiting to only being poor, in what way should you be poor? Poor in language, poor in, in conversation. I mean, what way should you be poor? So that's why Matthew gives us the correct insight of what he's talking about, because there's a general uh, belief in the church that you've got to be poor in your bank account only nowhere else everywhere else is okay but you got to be poor in your bank account well that's just that's just dumb right i mean people say things because they have an agenda and i don't I, and i don't understand that agenda i understand the devil's agenda in that that he wants the church to be poor because if the church is poor from a bank account then they're they're little to no threat to him they're not going out preaching anywhere they're not feeding the poor they're not clothing the naked because they don't you know if you if you've got no money how are you going to feed the poor if you got no money, how do you clothe the naked? Didn't Jesus tell her to do those, those things, right? That's not his first priority. First priority is preaching the gospel, but he did say those other things. So, you know, people walk by this church all the time. They come in here, they need help. Sorry, and, and I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, because I go through the deal. I'm, not, I'm a pastor. Well, where do you go to church? That's what a pastor ought to know, right? Where do you go to church? And I've had to say, well, you shouldn't ask me that. Well, can you look around for just, where are you? You're in a church. So it's perfectly fine and acceptable for me to ask you where you go to church. Isn't that perfectly acceptable? And they, oh, you know, they, one guy got mad about it. You pastors, he said, that, he said, you pastors need to quit asking us where we go to church and just help us. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, are you low on oxygen? What's the problem here? I mean, what, you know, one of us is dumb here and it ain't me. You know, you, you're in a church talking to a pastor and you're upset because the pastor's asking you where you go to church. You know, you know, you go down to the to the food stamp line. They don't ask you where you go to church. So, you know, if you don't want to be out, go down there if you get some help. You know, I mean, I don't got no problem where you go to help. But you come in here. I'm going to ask you, where do you go to church? Are you do you know the Lord Jesus? Are you a Christian? Nothing wrong with that. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, but I can't tell you how many times. Oh, I go to such such church. Uh, and, and I said, well, well, why aren't they helping you? There's a valid question. right? Why are you here at my church? I mean, you don't come to my church. Now, you know, as far as I'm concerned, everything the church has, all the, all the financial uh, ability that this church has is available to anybody in this church. No, no problem at all, right? Uh, and we've helped many people in the church uh, as part of our church. Uh, and, but uh, I said, well, why haven't you asked them? Well, I did. They don't have any money. And, I, and, and normally I don't say anything, but one guy said, well, you seem like you need to go to another church. <laughs> I mean, if they can't help you, Right. If, if you go there and they can't help you, why are you there? I mean, that's just, that just seems like a reasonable question. I mean, I wasn't trying to offend anybody, you know, but just, you know, why are you there? You know, well, they can't help me. Right. Uh, and um, and I've had to tell many of them I can't help them. You know, one guy who was whole time I was talking to him, he was texting, not even paying attention to me. <laughs> well, why are you here? You know, and in, in, in the middle of our conversation, he, uh, he got a phone call and he picked it up and, and they must have said, what are you doing? He said nothing. What do you mean nothing? You're talking to me. That's not nothing. I'm nobody. I'm not a nobody. I'm somebody, right? And so he kept on talking. I just went back in my office, went back to work. 
He sat in here, talked, and we got done talking. He left. <laughs> and then like two, three weeks later, he came back. He said, well, I never did finish our conversation. I said, because you were rude and it was on your phone the whole time t- texting. He goes, well, I have to text. Not while we're talking, you know. You know, if I'm expecting something, I got no problem with, hey, you know, you mind if I take this, you know. But just to be rude and just, especially texting, right? I mean, you can just, you can just, that, that, you can do that anytime, right? And, uh, but anyway, you know, uh, uh, somewhere along the way, we forgot how to be polite in the, in the society, right? Uh, and, um, and, and so that's when he told me, you know, the church I go to, they can't help me, you know, they got no money. Uh, and I said, well, it seems like you ought to go to a different church. And, and, he, and he was still being rude about the whole thing. And finally, I said, well, I'm not going to be able to help you. Uh, I mean, he, and he was like, okay, he just walked off. And, and um, uh, I don't know, maybe he's, texting, maybe he's texting somebody else to get money or something. But, uh, um, but the church has a right and privilege to be blessed in every area of life. And that would include finances. You know, I, I don't, to me, uh, prosperity is not limited to finances. Prosperity is my entire life. Uh, I'm prosperous in my thinking. I'm prosperous in my doing. I'm prosperous in, in, in my, uh, my physical body, in my mental uh, abilities, in my financial realm. I'm prosperous in every area of life, especially uh, uh, in the spiritual realm. Uh, and so, but how many have ever heard that God wants us to be poor in spirit? I mean, poor, period, to be blessed. I've heard it. You know, I've had one person fuss at me because I believe in prosperity. Well, you know, God said, blessed are the poor. I'm thinking... You know, maybe you should actually read your Bible on occasion, right? Instead of using it for a doorstop. But uh, so we had read, uh, we read about the poor, rich young ruler because they'll look at an example like the rich young. God wants you to get rid of all your stuff. But then, then we look at Zacchaeus, right? Remember Zacchaeus? Did Jesus tell him to get rid of any of his stuff? He said he was a very rich man. Uh, and he said, I'll give up the half, not everything. I mean, half of rich man is still rich, right? If you got a billion dollars, I'll give half away. Well, aren't you a real martyr? You still got $500 million, right? Can you squeeze by on $500 million? You could probably squeeze by on $500 million, right? If you're very rich. Now, you know, rich is whatever, but very rich is, is probably, a, in our society, you know, like maybe a billion dollars. Even if it's $100 million. If, you, if, if people could, well, that's, if you give up to half of it away, you still got $50 million. You think you can buy a hamburger on $50 million? You can probably get extra cheese on it with $50 million, right? Uh, and so... So uh, he didn't tell Zacchaeus to give it everything. And he said, this day is salvation come to this house. Uh, but then the rich young ruler, now we read about him. Uh, but the, the issue with the rich young ruler, uh, we, we find the root cause of the issue with the rich young ruler was not that he was rich. Uh, verse 24 tells us of, of Mark chapter 10. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. So the problem is not that he had things. The problem is what he trusted in. Amen. What do you trust in? You know, some people trust in their hard work. I can always find work. I'm a hard worker. I can always find work. You know, some people uh, trust in their intellect. Uh, I'm so smart. I can't hardly stand it. You know, uh, and a lot of times people, in, uh, even in the church, they get to be so educated. They educate God out of the spirit realm. He doesn't even exist anymore. You know, he's only he's only in stories and uh, and they don't believe in any of the the, uh, the stories of the Old Testament. You know, those are all just they're all out. You know, uh, Jonah wasn't an actual story. It was just, you know, an allegory. It never says an allegory. It writes it as if it was a, a real event. Uh, and it was a real event. Jesus even talked about it right as a real event. He didn't say it was a parable. Uh, and so uh, sometimes. Uh, we can trust in, in our intellect. Sometimes we can trust in our riches. Sometimes we can trust in our good name or whatever it is, our position or title. Now, what do you trust in? Anything you trust in is going to hinder you from obtaining the kingdom of God. Amen. And we're going to talk about what that means to, for the kingdom of God as we get along. Uh, and so the issue was not that he was rich. The issue was that he trusted in his riches. Amen. Because how many saints of old were rich? You just go through the whole list, right? I mean, Abraham and Lot and David and Solomon and, you know, um, Job and all of these folks. Were, they were all wealthy, very wealthy people, right? Did the Lord fuss at any of them for being wealthy? He never fussed at any from being wealthy. Why? Because they trusted in him. They didn't trust in, in uh, their riches. Uh, and so, so the Lord did tell him to, to sell everything that he had because whatever he had was a God to him. And if you've got it and it's a God to you, you should get rid of it. Uh, you ever been in somebody's car and it's a God to them? You know, I, I was with a friend of mine one time. He had this old uh, Chevelle or something. Uh, maybe it's a Nova. 
uh, and, um, uh, and you, you got in his car and there was towels everywhere. And you just felt like you had to sit like this right here. You know, don't, don't, don't touch anything, right? Because there's towels there, you know, don't want anything to get dirty. And, uh, and it's like, it's, this car came from dirt. Everything in this car came from that plot of ground right over there, right? That dirt right over there was turned into this car. There's no, there's no value in this car worthy to be worshipped. I mean, I like a nice car, but I, do, do you ever see me bowing down? Oh, thank you for this car. This car, is, you're such a good car. You're an awesome car. I, you know, it's dirt to me. Now, I don't want you to mistreat my car, but I mean, just sitting down is like cows everywhere, you know, and you touch something, he'd rub it, you know, and, and, and he really wouldn't do that. But, but uh, it felt like that, right? You just felt like you couldn't do anything uh, in, in that car. And so, um, no, it, it's, uh, uh, it's nothing wrong with being wealthy at all. Amen. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, uh, well, well, we'll talk about that when we receive the offering today, I think. Um, and so, so Jesus said that it's, it's difficult, and it is. I have observed it just uh, in the natural world. If you become a wealthy person, it is, it is sometimes very difficult for you as a wealthy person to stay humble with the Lord and to stay in the right place. Some uh, not not I have met many very kind and very generous and very spiritual uh, wealthy people. But I've met uh, many people. In fact, uh, I remember when I was with my pastor years ago that uh, the biggest giver in the church was someone you'd never pick out as being wealthy at all. You would think that they was just poor and destitute and they were the biggest givers in the church and they they were very wealthy, but they didn't care, you know. Now, you know, you don't have to be that way. I mean, if you want to have a nice house, you, have, you know, I don't think the Lord cares about anything as long as it doesn't have you. Amen. And so you don't have to look poor, even if you're wealthy. Uh, you can look however you want to. You know, it, it's just people like to make rules and regulations. There are no rules and regulations. It's as long as you don't trust in it. Uh, but sometimes it's, it's easy when you are wealthy and you have no cares of this natural world to, uh, to think that you're somebody. And that you should have a say uh, in certain events. I remember when I worked for my, I had one particular boss. And, he, you know, he wasn't a terrible boss, but he wasn't a great boss. You know, he'd cuss at you. And he'd come to my office and cuss at me sometimes, you know, because you didn't like something I did. You know, you said, well, you could have just said you didn't like it. You know, whatever. You know, come cuss me, you know. And, uh, and um, <laughs> I was talking with him one day. And I, and I thought, you know, this guy's just kind of a typical worldly boss, right? Not very you know, uh, not a great boss, just kind of average, normal, worldly boss. And he told me, yeah, he said, I'm on the, I'm on the, the uh, elder board at my church. <laughs> I'm thinking, can I, you know, ask a question? What in the world is wrong with your church, right? Why would they pick you? You're one of the most carnal people I know, you know, and, and uh, what do you have to offer from a spiritual standpoint? Now, I didn't say any of that stuff, but it just blew my mind. Said, yeah, I'm on the elder board of my church. I'm thinking, well, it's because you got money. You know, he was some high, you know, wheel at the, at the, at the company there. And that's why he was on the board, because he was a wheel at his company, not because he had any spiritual value to add to his church. But, uh, and so a lot of times people think they got money, they can act however they want to. And, and that's, that's a real thing, right? And, and there's many warnings in the Word of God about your wealth and about being careful and making sure that you're generous and making sure that you're not hoarding it up for yourself. And, you know, there, there are a lot of warnings in the Word of God about being wealthy. Uh, does that mean we should avoid being wealthy? No, I mean, because uh, who's going to fund the, the, the advancement of the kingdom of gospel, of the, of the Lord? Well, it's going to be uh, money, right? And if you've got money, that's a good way to fund the advancement of the kingdom of, of the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so, but let's go down. I want to make sure that we just kind of finish up the, the, putting a nail in a coffin of this idea that you, you've got to be poor in order to be, uh, uh, in order to be spiritual. Uh, because... Uh, it c- comes down to verse 28. And Peter began to say unto him, Lord, we have left all and followed thee. You know, they, they were astonished. Remember in verse 26, and they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who can be saved? Because, you know, a lot of times, uh, especially in certain uh, circles, people look to rich people as being examples. I want to be like them. And, and so Jesus was kind of knocking that whole idea that that being rich is not uh, you should not look to somebody at, at their wealth as something that you want to be like. Now, if they're wealthy and they're super spiritual and a kind and generous, that's something you should aspire to, right? But just because they're wealthy, that shouldn't be our, what we aspire to, right? We, we shouldn't aspire to be wealthy. We should aspire to do the will of God, amen? Uh, and that's what Jesus comes on down and saying here. Uh, but so they were astonished out of measure because if, they, well, if a rich guy can't get, make it to heaven, who can make it? 
Uh, and so, and, and Peter said, well, we've left everything. You told the rich young ruler to leave everything. We've left everything and followed you. Uh, and Jesus answered and said, verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brother or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. So in other words, you know, this was an agricultural world here. Uh, and if you leave your lands, what are you leaving? You're leaving your way to make money, right? You're leaving your funds, right? And this rich young ruler, uh, no doubt, had uh, lands. Uh, and the Lord said, you could have left them. If the lands have you, I've got so much land. I'm so, I'm so important because I've got so much land. Um, then uh, Jesus is telling them here, it doesn't matter what you leave. You know, some people elevate family above the call of God, right? Some people, uh, he talked about uh, uh, their house. You know, some people will... will uh, elevate their house and where they live above the call of God. I want to. I, I want to have a big house. Okay, you know, that's, to, to me, that's a really odd thing to desire. I want a big house for, for what purpose? You know, I mean, if you got a big house, you got a lot of cleaning to do, right? If you got a really, really big house, you have to have like a riding vacuum cleaner, you know. And and uh, you have a big house you want to. I don't think the Lord cares, right? But is that to go? I want a big house just for the sake of having a big house. To me, that's an odd thing to desire, right? If you got a lot of kids or you need a lot of space, you know, you got a lot of equipment, whatever. I mean, there's no rule. It's just, you know, you've got to be careful about your own motivations, right? Uh, but he said houses or, or families, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, wife, uh, you know, uh, wife even. He said, for, for my sake and the gospel's sake. You know, a lot of wives, a lot of spouses are not on board with the call of God on their other spouse, right? If it's a wife, they're, they're not on board with the call of God with their husband. You know, uh, John uh, Wesley was a great example of that. Uh, someone once asked him about, um, you know, aren't you afraid of the devil? He said, no, I've been married to her sister for years, you know. Uh, you know, his wife was a real devil with him, mean to him, right? Uh, hateful to him. He stayed with her all those years. She never supported him in the ministry. Uh, and that'd be tough, you know, to not only do it by yourself, but to do it with a boat anchor as well. Right. Uh, and so uh, but he still did it. The call of God was more important than than his married life. Right. And I know I know a lot of a lot of ministers who will change the call of God in their life based upon um, what their spouse wants. Uh, and that will cause you grief in, in the world. He said uh, and he said, if you leave anything for my sake and the gospels. Right, so whatever Jesus is telling you to do to, and to advance his kingdom, then uh, he said, this is what you get for that doing that. He said in verse 30, but you re shall receive a hundredfold. Uh, uh, now, the most important part of this verse here, at least is from a doctrinal standpoint of those next four words. Now, when? In this time. So you shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Uh, and we don't like the next word with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. So Jesus said, if you follow his word, what can you expect? A hundredfold of anything that you have to leave in order to advance his will in, in this earth. Uh, and so if he tells you, I need you to sell your house and go on the road, sell your house and go on the road. What, what will you get for doing that? A hundredfold return, right? He said a hundredfold uh, houses. Now, you, my problem is I don't want a hundred houses. If I have a hundred I got to paint a hundred houses. I got to mow a hundred houses. You know, I don't want to have to hundred houses. Right. Uh, and so uh, brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. So it's talking about natural thing now in this time. These are natural things, right? These are not spiritual things. These are natural things. Uh, and did Jesus say that, that if you do his will, that you'll get these things? Well, sure. Now, do we do his will to get these things? No, we do his will because we love him. And as a result of doing his will, these things were returned to us. Amen. So if Jesus, if it was wrong to be wealthy, then why did Jesus say you'll get a hundredfold houses, hundredfold lands? I mean, if you got whatever you got, and if it's wrong to have, Jesus said, if you give that up for my sake, he'll give it a hundred. Now, would that have applied to the rich young ruler? Well, sure. He's not, he's not exempt from this, from this promise, right? If the rich young ruler had done what he said he would do, he would have gotten a hundred times back. In this life, in this time, right? In the time that he lived on this earth, he would have received a hundredfold back from the Lord of whatever he'd given up. Is that the, what the promise says? That's what the promise says, right? Now, this, the context of this one is giving things up uh, for his benefit, not giving things away, right? So this is not the sowing and reaping like uh, Luke 6, 38. This is uh, prioritizing his will in your life and whatever it takes to do his will, he said, no matter what you give up, I'll take care of you. Isn't that what he says? 
uh, and that's, that's the only way that you can see this. Uh, and so it completely uh, disarms the whole uh, theory that God desires you to be poor in order to be spiritual, uh, in order to be blessed. Because the whole, uh, one of the, the concepts of being blessed is being fully satisfied. Well, how can you be fully satisfied, which means that you're rich in, in any objective measure, if the Lord doesn't want you to be rich, you know, it's just it's circular logic. Right? It doesn't make any sense. Right. But he but he told the rich young girl, if you do these things, I'll take care of you a hundredfold up. So no matter what you got to get rid of, I'll take care of you. Uh, so for us is do we believe that? You know, do you believe that whatever the Lord calls you to do? Are you willing? Well, Lord, that's going to cost too much. How can it cost too much if you get a hundredfold back from that? It, it can't cost you too much. Right. Uh, and so uh, it's uh, I've always found in my life, anytime I do the will of God, there's always great blessings that occur because of that. Amen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, was he talking about your bank account? Wasn't talking about your bank account at all, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, we're about out of time, but I, I wanted to start because I want to look at a good example of what it means to be poor in spirit. Amen. So let's turn to, to Job chapter 1 because what we've got to find out is Job was not poor in spirit. And that was the root of all of his problems. Uh, so Job must have been a terrible person, right? Let's see what the Bible says about our friend Job here. In Job chapter 1, it says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that, afeared, that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was, a thou, was, was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. So this is who Job was. Uh, was he a good man? It says he was a good man, right? That he feared God. He was perfect. He was upright. He eschewed evil. He, he rejected evil. So he was a good man. Was he wealthy? He, I mean, any of these things would... would uh, uh, make him wealthy, 7,000 sheep. Where are you going to put 7,000 sheep? You know, I don't have room to put 7,000 sheep anywhere. Amen. Uh, 3,000 camels. Uh, that's, so, so now he's at 10,000 mammals right there, right? 500 uh, yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household. So, and it says, this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. And in what way was he the greatest? Well, he was the greatest spiritual person. He was also the greatest uh, uh, financial person, right? He was the greatest of, of the, his natural blessings and greatest of his walk with God. So Job apparently must not have had any problems in life, right? Well, that's the whole Job experience, right, that we'll have to get into. So, uh, uh, so what we want to find out, and, and again, we're, we're out of time for today, but I want to go through just a little bit of Job, and I want to show uh, the problem with Job was his root problem is he was not poor in spirit. And he eventually got poor in spirit. But uh, the, the, the reason why I picked Job is because it starts out, Job was a great person, perfect, upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. And people think that's sufficient. And people think that if I just do right, uh, that it's sufficient. Uh, and, uh, and if I just do the right things and play the right parts and act, you know, act right at church, that God will bless me. Uh, and that's kind of the way Job was. Uh, and he, he was not, of course, you know, Job was, is considered to be the oldest book in the Bible. And there's no story in here about he was a Hebrew or that he was part of the covenant of Israel. It was, uh, apparently, this was long before the covenant of Israel, long before Abraham. Uh, so people knew God before Abraham, right? And Job was one of these people that knew God before Abraham. Uh, and so what we want to do is find out uh, how do we know that Job wasn't, uh, wasn't poor in spirit? Uh, what was the response to that? We're not going to go, there's 42 chapters in Job, but there's only about four or five chapters that really matter. You know, everything else between is all of his three friends are the worst friends ever. Uh, you know, Job, this is all your fault. Well, thanks for helping me. You know, that, that really didn't help me at all. Uh, and so, uh, but this is to be, a, a, I think, a great study about uh, what does it really take to be poor in spirit? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Uh, because sometimes we think if we're good churchgoers, we're poor in spirit. If we do all the right things, we're poor in spirit. If we're wealthy, we're poor in spirit, right? God must love us, you know, and God must uh, uh, be good to all of us, right? Uh, and and uh, bless us in every area. Uh, and so uh, because 
uh, we think that sometimes calamity comes on us because we're terrible people. Well, calamity came upon Job and he was a righteous man. He was perfect and upright and still calamity came into his life. Uh, and the root cause, the root, root reason why calamity came into his life was because he was not poor in spirit. Uh, and so that's all the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, well, the trailer for next week, right? So, uh, and so we'll, we'll, um, we'll pick that up next week there uh, because I think at the end of it, and it, it, we shouldn't have to spend uh, weeks and weeks on Job. I, think, I don't think it'll take that long to, to go through what I want to go through in the book of Job. Uh, but I think it's a great example because how many times have you heard people say they're going through a Job experience? Oh, yeah. I'm going through a Job experience. What you'll find out is Job's experience was completely 100% entirely self-inflicted. Had nothing to do with no, nothing other than Job himself. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, uh, it was all completely self-inflicted and it was completely up to him to get out of it. Uh, and, and he got into it on his own. He got out of it on his own. Uh, and, so that, and that's what we'll find out, you know, and, and so... I don't want to give away the whole rest of the story there because then we'll have to go into the next uh, beatitude, right? But uh, I think it'd be good, uh, especially because people say all kinds of things about Job. And look, uh, they tell us that Job's uh, full experience only lasted about nine months. Uh, and how many people, you know, going through Job experience for nine years, right? For 99 years, you know, 20 years. They're going through a Job experience. And um, it's like, well, you should be at least, at least as spiritual as uh, Job was, right? get out of it after nine months and so well, let's pray and thank the lord for his word today so father we do thank you for the word of god and lord we thank you for the blessings of of your word father we thank you that it is your desire that we are poor in spirit and so father we thank you that you show us exactly how to do that uh, and we give you the praise uh, and the honor for it, lord in jesus name amen um so uh let's get ready to receive this morning's offering as we get ready i want to read a, a couple of verses here uh, this is from First uh, Chronicles chapter 29, um, and um, it says here in verse, verse 2, uh, well, let's see, uh, let's start in verse 1. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work of, of building the temple is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold and silver for things of silver and brass for the things of brass, uh, iron for things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistening stones and of diverse colors and all manners of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. So apparently there's a lot of stones in, in building the temple, right? Uh, and then he says, verse three, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have mine own prop. I have of mine own proper good, of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. So David said, you know, uh, as a king, uh, I've brought to bear all the the uh, uh, finances of Israel, and I've set it aside for the construction of the temple. He said, but also I've set aside of my own bank account. Uh, for the construction of the temple. And he lists all the things that he, that he set aside for that. And I've got a footnote in my Bible that says this was about $17 billion out of his own personal account. And, and I'm at the check. I think this Bible is about 20 years old. So whatever the uh, cost of inflation is uh, since 20 years ago, it's probably well over $20 billion of it, out of his own account that David set aside for the construction of the, of the temple of God. Uh, and the point that I wanted to make is, well, well why was David blessed so much uh, financially uh, in order to build the temple? And he tells us the answer in, in verse 3, Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. Uh, and, and, the, and the Lord, just uh, the way he showed to me, he said, he said, anytime we set our affection to the, to the house of God, right? It's not just to a physical church, but just to God's uh, church, right? Uh, but also to the house of God, to the, whatever church that you attend. Uh, he said uh, uh, he will funnel great finances through people's lives whose affection is to the house of their God. Now, notice this went through David, right? It didn't, he didn't hoard it up for himself. He passed it on to the, to the house of God, right? Now, David was pretty wealthy, right? In addition to that, he had whatever he wanted. Uh, but the whole attitude of David is he loved God. He loved the house of God. He wanted the people of God to have a place to worship him. 
Uh, and he said, my affection was to the house of my God. And because of that, the Lord blessed him with great finances, right? I mean, wouldn't you love to write a check for $20 billion, right? Uh, that's a lot of zeros. And, and uh, in case you're wondering, that's two zero and then nine more zeros, all right? So if you need to write a check, uh, you can just uh, write that out there. But, uh, uh, and it's not about us getting the money from you as a church. It's about you, right? It's about what, what's your heart's desire, amen? Is your house is your desire and your affection to the house of the, of the Lord, then the Lord has the ability to funnel great finances through your life to be a blessing to uh, whatever ministry that you're a part of. Amen? Uh, and so uh, people don't seem to have a hard time with David, right? Uh, and he gave away, uh, you know, $20 billion. Uh, that's, a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good tie check, right? Just think what the IRS would, would say if you wrote that down, right? Uh, and put that, you know, uh, as your tax receipt there. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So, Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to give. And, Father, our hearts are, are, uh, and affection are to the house of our God. Uh, Father, we thank you that you provided for us not only this physical building, but just to the house of God in general, that we desire to bless the church of the living God on the earth. And that's our affection. We desire to do that, Lord. And we thank you that just because of our affection and desire to be a blessing to you, Father, that you will fund us, funnel great sums of money through our hands to be a blessing to your kingdom. And we thank you for that, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering there. Uh, and, um, um, you know, uh, I do my own taxes. Uh, and... Um, which tells me how messed up, you know, I get to see how messed up the federal government is every year, right? Uh, but I do my own taxes every year. And, and one of the things that at the end of it, they haven't done it in a while, but like for a long time, they'd say, would you like to compare your, um, uh, your tax return with people of your peer group, right? So whatever tax bracket or whatever income level I was at, would you like to compare other people in your income uh, bracket? Okay, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, and so basically it just showed you how much money you spent on this versus that, and how much money, you know, your tax and all that stuff. But one of the things I thought that was interesting was they showed you how much money you gave to charitable giving. And so mine was always way up here, right, compared to my peer group. And then, uh, and then but my medical stuff was like way down here, nearly zero every year, right? And then, but all my peers, you know, their medical expenses are way up here, but their giving was way down here, right? And I know God's not going to curse you with, with sickness, uh, but uh, I'm going to live in the blessings of the Lord. Amen. And I just thought it was an interesting uh, comparison there that uh, it was across the board. Anybody whose who's giving was this high, the medical expenses were this high. Anybody whose who's, uh, medical expenses were this high, their giving was this high, right? Uh, and so is God going to curse you with, a, with a, the, the blight or the blotch or with the itch or something if you don't give? No, that's the devil's territory. Amen. Uh, but, it, but he will bless you if, you're, if you do what he asks you to do. Amen. And so uh, um, don't forget, we have healing school today. Uh, and if you're going to come back to healing school and uh, if you want to bring some boxes, if you have any available boxes for us to use to pack up stuff, that'd be a blessing to us. And uh, don't forget, we'll start at nine o'clock in the morning uh, with uh, the demo, the deconstruction, so that we can start the construction in about a week or so. Right. Uh, we'll be blessed. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. And we'll see you next Sunday.